Hey, Stan Prokopenko here. We had a panel at San Diego Comic-Con for our new course, Marvel's The Art of Storytelling, and that's over at proko.com slash Marvel. We pulled together a bunch of instructors from the course and talked about how to make comics. They had plenty to say about what it takes to make comics for Marvel, so let's get to it. Okay, hi, my name is Stan Prokopenko. I am the founder of Proko.com. We create online drawing courses and we try to make them fun and approachable and try to make complicated things enjoyable. What we realized a while ago, a few years ago, is that you know when kids and young adults get excited or interested in drawing and learning how to draw, it's usually because of comics or movies or you know just things that they grew up loving to watch and, and read. And so we reached out to Marvel and said, yo, <laughs> Marvel, <laughs> we should that's make how, a course. That's how you get a job at Marvel, guys. That's right. <laughs> yo. Yo. And then they responded and they said, yes. <laughs> it's called The Art of Storytelling uh, because Marvel is all about telling stories. Everything about learning how to create comics always comes back to the story, whether it's the character design or the environment they're in. They have to support the story that's being told. Another really great thing about working with Marvel is that we had access to really good artists. And every part of the course is, uh, is taught by an artist that specializes in that thing. And so you kind of go down the line of the process of creating a comic through these amazing artists and several of them are here with us today. So we're going to pick their brains, uh, we're going to ask them some questions, they're going to tell us all about how to create really cool comics. So let me introduce, we got Jim Zub, Hello. Thunderbolts, yep. Champions, he's teaching the writing part of the course, of course. story structure, ideation, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Ryan Benjamin. Worked on Iron Man, Cable. He's teaching some of the fundamentals and penciling techniques. This guy's a master at penciling. <laughs> okay, Sanford Green. Power Man on Iron Fist, Runaways. And he does a lot of the character lessons, silhouettes, proportions, character action, stuff like that. Eric Gist. Worked on Star Wars, Moon Knight. He's also my teacher, so that's fun. <laughs> ten years, ten or more. And he teaches the covers part of the course. And then we got C.B. Sabolski, editor in chief. Thank and you he also me. wrote for Marvel. Wrote for Marvel over the years. Had a lot of different, a uh, lot of different jobs, a lot of different places. Happy to be here and to talk about this amazing program that you've crafted with uh, the, the people on this dais and then all the other great artists that we've got lined up. Okay, first question goes to Jim. Hey, you teach the story, the writing part yeah. of it. How do you tell stories with comics that play into the strengths of the comic medium? I think the thing that's most important when we are talking about storytelling is that comics are such a visual medium and the art end of it is absolutely critical to how people experience those stories. The style of the artist, the pacing, the number of panels and the way that they lay out the page can take the exact same story and make it feel completely different 
depending on who's drawing it and how they're drawing it. And so you need to know, for me, I find I need to know who's drawing the story, what their strengths are, and that we have a really good understanding. Um, one of my favorite editors at Marvel, Tom Brevoort in the Avengers office, he's so succinct in his way to explain this stuff. He says, our job is communication and entertainment. And the first people you have to communicate with and entertain are your collaborators, are the other people on the creative team. Are you communicating well with them? Do they know what's most important about this story? Do they know what we're trying to get across emotionally and dramatically in that story? And if we're all on the same page and pushing in the same direction, we can make the best possible end result and, and excite our readers in the Mary Marvel manner. It's a visual medium first, and we need to set um, the stage for great action, great drama, and something that the artist is going to be super inspired to draw and that there's a big visual component that's going to blow people away. Jim, you mentioned communication, which is extremely important. Uh, and I just, I wanted to ask you all here, since you're here, speaking of communication, uh, you're obviously all here for a reason. They got these great setups uh, for you to be here. How many people in this room are here because they want to be artists? They want to learn how to draw better, learn more techniques and things like that. Okay, how many of you are here because you want to learn writing and learn more about the skill of writing? Okay, so we're at about 50-50 there, huh? Cool. All right, um, have any of you ever read How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, the old book? Mm. All right, so you, you know that book. Uh, it's a classic book printed, in, I'm just gonna say off the top of my head, I think it was 1973, it's been through 26 printing. And a lot of people look at that book and say it's an old book and oh, the, the lessons to be learned aren't there anymore. But no, as a basic storytelling book, that one is very still important. It still is the classic of comic book storytelling. But for years, when Joe Casado was editor-in-chief, when I worked with Joe, we've been looking for a way to update that, to come up with the next level. And modern art is changing so quickly. And it wasn't until Stan called us up and said, yo, Marvel, that <laughs> we found the proper partner to do that with. And this course really is the next level. It is extremely comprehensive in a way that we as Marvel have been looking for a partner to do something with, from storytelling to the basics of the, the arts and the layouts taking everything through to how to create a modern comic book and it really has become a fascinating process whether you work print or whether you work digitally and use this platform as a communication tool to talk to Stan who is so good and the program he has created is so impressive and everything else that Proco does is amazing you should check out all their videos thank you we are here for you so speaking of what CB said as well when we were building the curriculum we were always looking and saying man what do I wish I had known coming in the door yeah. and in a very logical manner starting from story and ideation and structure and thinking about the needs of the artists and the needs of the editor and the needs of production at each stage that it's not just about get it done it's like get it done to a professional level but if you're coming in as a beginner you can get something out of it if you are a journeyman artist and you're still building your skills you can level up on this stuff as well or if you are near professional what is that last level of refinement that can take you to impressing uh, the people that would hire you at the highest levels of, of publishing so follow-up question for you on that note what sure. do you think is the biggest thing that newer artists struggle with or writers struggle with when writing in terms of artists, I think it's uh, consistency in terms of whether that's proportion or action or leaving enough space for text 
to marry well with the artwork. Well, what if about for writing? For writing, writing yeah. I find that when people come from other writing um, vocations, whether it's prose writing, like they're writing novels, or they're you know, script writers for movie or television, they are treating comics like they're storyboards, or they're writing multiple actions in a panel, yep. like it's a movie script, or they're writing too much on a page. They're telling you dozens of things that need to happen over the course of one page that would not stage well or be visually dynamic and interesting. You can only generally, there's, there's always uh, exceptions, but you can only do one thing in a panel most times and keep the focus on that idea. Unless it's, you know, if Spider-Man's moving really fast, you can acrobatically maybe show multiple ghosted poses. But most of the time, unless a character is extremely fast and acrobatic, you're generally seeing one thing happening. You know, Nightcrawler is teleporting into a scene or the Hulk is punching through a wall or whatever may have you. What are the moments you're choosing? What is the impact that they're gonna have? Is there enough room on the page to deliver it? And as a writer, you have to be thinking visually, and as an artist, you have to be thinking how to level that up. And I find that most people, they're in their head, they're writing just like a movie script, or they're just jamming a bunch of ideas down. Is it the most effective way of doing it? And are you using the comic medium to its advantage? Things like, we talk about page turns, that when you flip a page over, is there an exciting reveal? Is there something cool that we can show off? I could just talk for ages about this because I love it so much. As <laughs> you, you literally just pulled that answer word for word almost out of my head. If I had to answer that question, yeah. I would have answered exactly the same. And the only other thing is would be over for overwriting. And as these the artists will tell you, don't put too many panels on a page. That's and, the, that's the the third thing that I would say is 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 always the, the biggest complaint. And and in many cases, one of the things that's really valuable to me is when we get the letter proof or when we get that the artwork in that last edit where I look and I go, do we need all this dialogue? Can we let the art breathe even more, or is everything clear? from through line idea to finished page, don't be afraid to refine it. Because the only thing that matters is the final published version and making the best version possible. You joke is like, kill your darlings. Like, it's not just about my words, it's about our art and those words coming together to make the most effective final you know, piece. So next question for Ryan. That's you. <laughs> That's me. So yeah, again, Ryan teaches the fundamentals and uh, a lot of the penciling techniques. He's also extremely fast. <laughs> He's always drawing. He's, He's drawing right now. Right now a cover while he has to finish this. Is it a commission? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Multitasking. So the question for you then is: for uh, artists that are struggling to draw faster, what what are some tips? From my years of drawing so many comics, someone told me that consistency is one of the things that's going to keep you going throughout the industry. Consistency is not just keeping the character looking the same, it's also you have to worry and consider who you're drawing, what type of character it is, because one character is gonna act slightly different from, from the other. So the way I try to convey that in, in comics is I reduce everything down to the fundamentals. So once you understand how to draw a, a simple shape like this, in multiple angles, coming at you, going away from you, falling off of a cliff or whatever it is. All you're doing is just redrawing this simple shape over and over. This is the, the core of consistency. You're just keeping the same shape, it doesn't change. All you're doing is just skinning it over and over and over. You can skin it to whatever character you want to. When you're drawing comics, you have to be on a, on a certain pace. You have to be able to knock out a page at, at a certain amount of time 
uh, and finished an entire book within a certain amount of weeks. The fastest I have ever drawn an entire comic book was I did 22 pages in five days. Ken Lashley actually beat me on that one too. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to challenge him, re-challenge him on that one. The typical time you get to draw a full comic is about five to six weeks. If you're fast enough and consistent enough to keep it going and then repeat it for the next issue and then repeat it for the next issue, repeat it for the next issue, you have to understand what you're drawing and train yourself to, re to reduce everything down to the simple fundamental stage. And then from there, all, you, all you're doing is rejoin the, the simple shapes over and over and over and over and over all throughout the comic. That's basically how you want to think about it. Okay. First you get good and then you get fast. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You get yep. good and then you get fast. So understand, but the, your fundamentals too is literally what keeps you good because if you, under, if you can draw this in perspective with lighting and shading and then you add, you draw multiples of these in the same panel, once you understand that, it just, it helps to solidify everything. And then you, once you're skinning it, it's basically a style. You're just taking your style, you're going to skin this, is going to be uh, in a cartoon style? Is it going to be more realistic? Is it going to be a, a painter style? What what style do, are you bringing to this simple object that you're just drawing over and over and over and over again? So that's the basic core of it. But there's way more I can do. I can talk. I can demonstrate this to you guys because I can draw in like six or seven different styles. And I'm too fast, but I'm going to let you guys talk soon. Oh, you, you got to finish your commission? I got to finish it on. And, I, and, I, and I can talk for four hours about this. Trust me, I can. It's almost like we do it for hours during the course because we can't stop talking. Right, stop talking. One piece of advice adding on what Ryan said I can give as, as a long-term editor and, and now the editor-in-chief is that um, comics is a monthly medium, sometimes a bi-weekly medium. Um, and like Ryan said, you know, you got to get your deadlines. And there's people, as the penciler, you're the first person in the line of people who are relying on you. If you don't do your job, your inker goes a day without work and a day without payment. Then the trickles down to the colorist. Yep. So you have to keep going because you are feeding a team. The creative team on a book is a family. And you're, every day you don't deliver, you fall down, then you're, you're taking money out of the people on the pockets down the, the line and you're affecting the deadline of that book. Yep. But a piece of advice that we often give is, and people, fans are gonna hate to hear this, but this happens a lot, is it doesn't have to be perfect because you have people who can help you. As the penciler, if you're not happy with something, talk to your inker. Your inker can fix something. The colors can fix something. And like John Romita Jr., one of the greatest pencilers that ever lived, and he's been doing this for 40 years, the thing I always hear him tell people is, you can fix it on the next page. If you don't like something, fix it on the next page. Learn as you go. You're constantly learning. Yeah, but you have to remember yeah, that there are deadlines, and it's not always going to be perfect. You want to look as good as possible, but we are a team, and you have other people to help you get there to make it look perfect. The first things you create will always be not to your taste because you, you need to go through that kind of growing process. But if you don't start creating, you will never get better at it. You know, the very first comic I made with any kind of consistency was my own web comic that I did in 2002. Came to my very first San Diego Comic Con over, you know, 20 years ago and showed it around to people and got feedback. And it's a nerve wracking experience. Whenever you're putting yourself out there, you're afraid. You don't want to get you know, critique or bad news or whatever. And yet, I don't want to make it sound too dramatic, but the bravery of that, of creating things and putting it out there and learning and finishing it and doing it again is the way that you will get better. Right. It's not about where you start, it's where you end. Yep. You know? Yeah. You know, I do some, some, some teaching as well, college level, and 90% of the generation, they want to do their own thing. They want to create their own stories, which is totally fine. That's what makes this course even more important because 
everything that CB was talking about, all those fundamentals. You have to understand those things. And I think there is a slight disadvantage when you're in a bubble, you're creating your own thing. You don't have that editorial direction mm -hmm. input, if you will. Um, you may have your, your friends and your buddies thinking you're the most <laughs> incredible artist, and you might be, but you need an objective eye, someone that understands that may give you some pretty good uh, critiques and feedback on what you're doing with your stories. This course is really great when it comes to that type of thing. Just understand like what Ryan was even talking about, the, uh, those fundamentals. Um, you have to know the rules first in order to uh, break them. That's kind of what was told to me when I was trying to get into this industry. Because I was breaking all the rules because it's my thing and my story and the way I want to do it. And I might be the only one that understands it. Ultimately, you're doing it for yourself. But you have a viewing audience as well. That's how you get people to uh, follow your work. So Sanford, you teach college, right? Live, yeah. uh, in person. Yep. When they're doing their character designs, mm -hmm. what's that biggest thing that keeps them from getting really good character designs? Basically understanding that less is more. You guys ever heard of that phrase? Mm -hmm. That school of thought? Mm -hmm. That works ultimately with storytelling as well um, mm -hmm. when you're doing your panel work. But it starts also with your character. How do you want to make your character uh, stand out? Create an interesting silhouette. That's always a good place to start. Also, uh, creating interesting and um, impactful design. Not trying to uh, load your character up with a lot of information in detail. It's kind of like the same thing when it comes to writing, when it comes to the actual storytelling Clarity. Itself. Mm -hmm. Clarity. You, you're doing a lot, a lot at the beginning. You're overcompensating and making it more complicated than uh, something that could be, again, iconic. Uh, look at some of the most powerful, memorable characters. Just study that, those kind of things, and, and look at the iconography of those characters. Uh, once you see that, you'll, you'll understand that most of those characters have something that easily gravitates uh, to your, your eye, you gravitate towards it. Um, of course, Spider-Man with that incredible spider right dead center, right? Not simple, but they're very clear and to understand um, features on their design that makes it uh, appealing. Cool, thanks. Um, Eric, we haven't heard from you yet. <laughs> um, He's laying low right now. <laughs> He's about to let you guys have it. <laughs> Mind-blowing information. So you do a lot of covers. I do. Um, what's the big difference between covers and interiors, the way you approach it for a story? I mean, as far as approach, the interiors, they're both storytelling mediums for sure, but, but interiors are more, more sequential. So you're telling a, a story over the course of time. I would say that's probably the biggest difference is that time takes place mm -hmm. in interior pages, whereas covers are, are a snapshot first and foremost. You're trying to sort of capture the sort of essence of the story in one single image. And that can be done a, a number of different ways. But it's really about trying to capture the entire spirit of a story in one single image. Whether that specific event actually takes place, it may be a, a different story. <laughs> so it's more about a snapshot. And then on top of that, it's also about selling the book. You know, the, the interior of the book keeps you coming back, but the cover is what gets you to pick up the book in the first place. Exactly. So it's also essentially a billboard for the story as well. So it's got to have big impact, big boom. It's not going to typically be two guys just sitting there talking unless it's 
Alex Ross who actually excels at that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's usually something exciting. It usually asks a question, whereas the interior answers that question. Cool. Um, so yeah, I studied with you for like 10 or more years and so you're a phenomenal teacher. So what would you say is the biggest issue that you see with people's portfolios when you're doing reviews? A lot of what the other guys mentioned is that's just a, an understanding of the fundamentals. They get caught up in a lot of the, the, the flash, which is important, don't get me wrong. Uh, Glenn Orbick told me one time that you can learn to draw as well as you want, but until you can paint a lens flare, no one's going to hire you. you know? so <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the showy stuff that will kind of put you over the top. but. I don't care how good the icing is. If the cake ain't good, it ain't, you ain't going to eat it. I was literally just going to make a frosting and cake analogy, and you just did it. So yeah, I'm really hungry. In, in yeah. And I mean, it goes back to what most of the fellows have been talking about. And I can't remember if it was Toth that said, remove everything extraneous and then draw the hell out of what's left. Mm. And that's what it really comes down to is that, you know, yeah, you can put as much flash and flare on things as, as you want. And it is important. Don't get me wrong. It needs to be exciting to look at. You just mentioned Toth. Um, he also said something that makes a lot of sense of why you have all the frosting without the cake. I think, especially at the beginning, I think the phrase is, if it's not there in the beginning, it won't be there in the end. Have you ever tried to draw something and you're feeling like you're fighting it? You're trying to create this thing and you're not sure of you know, where it is at the beginning. So we keep laboring over it, keep fighting it. You seemingly you're going upstream to some degree. And finally, you get this piece, and you're looking at it, and you don't really feel good about it. Now, maybe that's kind of a loaded thing, because I think us as artists, we can, our neuroses can kick in, and we always feel some kind of way about our work at some point, right? But at the beginning, sometimes, if you're not really certain, really clear in your head, of where you wanting to go and you're starting to just draw. Sometimes you feel your way through it, but sometimes you just need to have some really clear understanding and that's where reference comes to play. Mm. Another phrase that I've heard, the better your reference, the better your art. Drawing from your head is fine, but again, going back to the fundamentals, if you don't really understand that thing that you're trying to draw, that subject, whether it be a character or a person, what have you, reference that thing. You know, study it, you know, what you're, you're looking at, sketching it out. The ability to visualize. And it builds, and it builds your, what I call your mind reference. Your mental library. Yeah, your, your mental library so that you can be able to retain that over time. And it's like working out. Yep. It's muscle absolutely muscle like working muscle out. It's muscle memory. Muscle memory. Yeah. When, when you know, I went to school and we did uh, figure drawing and we would do shorter and shorter poses, gesture drawings they called them. So you're doing five minute you know, figure drawings and there's, at first you're struggling with every single piece of it and then eventually you're doing two minutes and then 30 seconds and how much of the figure can you get down. It's not meant to be a beautiful drawing, but when you do hundreds and hundreds of them, you build that visual library of proportion, of gesture, of, of dynamic posing until that becomes instinctive. And if you think of it like a basketball player shooting three-pointers and two-pointers and layups, over and over and over and over again. We know that an athlete does that and that's how they get better. And yet with drawing or music or other art, for some reason, the idea of talent alone is, is uh, the way we seem to look at these things. And it's just not true. Practice does make all the difference. So uh, I will add to that. I truly believe every single one of us in this room is creative and you all have that creative seed inside of you. The core of creativity is basically expression. Okay, we all 
express, we want to express somehow, some way, we want to express something. If you take a baby who's who, brand new to this world and you play some music, what are they going to do? They're going to do this, right? They're gonna, you're going to pop. That's them expressing, and they don't even know what they're expressing. They're just feeling it, and they just want to express. But as you're growing up, other things come in the way of you trying to express yourself and you're trying to do things from your parents to your surroundings to this and that. Certain things get, get restricted or funneled in certain directions and then some of you kind of lose that ability to express yourself. I've been drawing since I was really, really, really young. Now I can pretty much draw with my eyes closed, okay? If, if, if this wasn't happening to me, I would probably be doing something completely different right now, which I remember when I was young, I was trying to be a firefighter. I was planning to join the Coast Guard. I was going to do all these things here, and, and none of this here would have ever taken me in, in the path of being, being an artist, but I decided to follow my heart and go in that direction, and it's all because from the time I was young, I've been expressing myself in that direction for years and years without any barriers or anything going in that direction. So expression is the seed of it, okay? So this is how you guys want to, want to think about it when you're doing if you ever pick up when you go home and you pick up a pencil and you or you want to create something you want to come up with a new comic or a new story idea that's out there just don't be afraid to do it just pick up a pencil pick up a pad come up with a story idea do this watch the video watch the course we just put our, our heart and energy to it will guide you through through this this process what i just told, told, told you guys right now so uh just follow your heart yeah, wow, that, 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 uh, Brian, I got to applaud you on that, Ryan, because I truly is going to take it home now. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I would just wanna, what separates creative people from a lot of other people is the, that motivation. Yep. Everybody has great ideas. I sit there and I go see my dad and we're watching around and we're watching Law and Order or NCIS or something. And my dad goes, you know, what would be a good idea. And he will okay. say this. And I'm like, Dad, I don't, I don't know why no one ever thought of that. That'd be amazing. Why don't you write that down? He's, I'm not a writer. I'm an electrician. You know, and that's, if he, my dad wanted to become a writer, I think he probably could, he has no desire to do it. He just yep. has these good ideas. And that's what separates people, is the motivation to get out there and take the time to do it, to, to finish your day job and put your fingers on that keyboard or put your, your, your pencil or your stylus on the screen and, and take what's in your head and make it real. So advice for students transitioning to become professionals, and this is assuming they've already got the skills, we've been talking about fundamentals, assuming they got it, they have a good portfolio, they're trying to become professionals. I go into a lot of this on some of the videos actually. <laughs> Becoming an, a professional artist is an extremely personal decision. I get asked more times than ever, am I ready? And I cannot tell you if you're ready. I can tell you if your art is good enough for you to become a professional penciler. I can not tell you if you're ready to become a professional, professional artist because your circumstances are personal. I don't know your budget, I don't know your mortgage, I don't know your day job, I don't know what, you're, what you need to do or what you need to cover financially or the time that you have to become a professional artist. But it is up to you to decide if this is a career you want, because it's not always easy, trust me, uh, no matter what kind of position you enter, especially when you're early on. But if you have the desire to do this, I can tell you if you have the skill to do it. I mean, a lot of the, the editors can, and other artists can as well. It's just, it's, it's, it's the most personal decision you're going to make, and you really have to want this. That is the biggest professional piece of advice I can give you. Don't fall in love with the idea of being a writer or being an artist. 
work to be a writer or be an artist. That's, because that's it, a, is, it is work. Yeah. Great way of putting it. One of the things I said to people is I think some people want to sign comic books that they have finished. They don't necessarily want to make those books because that's the hardest part of the thing. Yep. We're obsessed with, with making comics. And signing them and meeting you guys at conventions like this is a victory lap that is very, very, uh, it's rewarding and it's wonderful, but I also can't wait to make more. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hope that answers the question. I didn't mean to be sound harsh there, but <laughs> it, 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 there is a reality to this. Can I, can I add to that? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, Go ahead. Um, with my students, they love the idea of what CB just talked about getting the opportunity, getting the job, if you will, to the point of putting into work. That's the, the real nuts and bolts. So to break it down to them, to help them understand the level that this takes to, to get to where we are. Anyone in the sports here? It's probably not. One person back there. Kind of figure, kind of, wow. you know, un, okay. Work with me here. So, uh, high school, if you're into basketball, you're on the basketball team. You get a scholarship to go to college. Now you're in college on a team with players just as good as you. You see where I'm going with this? You then get opportunities to play in the NBA. And what's in the NBA? The best. So now you have to compete and work towards that goal to be in that same space. But they're just as good, possibly even better. And stay in the space. And then mm -hmm. stay in that space. That's what, to some degree, what this is. And that's the mindset you have to have. It's all about putting in the work at that point. The talent is the first level, but the work is a whole nother thing. And, and doing five, six sample pages that are of professional quality is very different from 20 pages every five to six weeks. Right. And, and when we talked about consistency, I would look at a portfolio from someone and they would have two really good pages. And I said, these are great. You should go do 20 more. And they go, 20 more pages. And I go, what do you think the job is? That's literally the job. If you can't do your first 20 pages, you, you're never gonna do this as a job. When you do your hundredth page, you will be infinitely better than you were at the start because you've gone through that right. process. Dan Slott is very meticulous about keeping track of how much he's written, and I thought it was really a weird thing, and then I went back and I sort of did an inventory. I've written over 8,000 pages of comics. I can break a story a hell of a lot faster than when I started, and I know if I'm going in the right direction and if something's working. And that doesn't mean you have to write 8,000 pages, but you're better at it. You're just naturally going to be stronger because you've gone through that process over and over and over and over again. And that's the same with drawing. It's the same with development and editorial and coloring and lettering, all of it. I'll say when I was, when I was younger, at one point I was very frustrated with the art education I was getting. And I, I kind of came to the realization that, uh, that I wasn't going to ever be good enough. And so I was going to change my major when I was in college. And I said to myself, well, I guess I'm just going to do this for myself. It was never a, well, I'm quitting art. I can't do this professionally. It was like, well, I guess I'm just not going to get paid for doing it. And a funny thing happened. When I said that to myself, everything changed. Because it was like, oh, I don't care about doing art for a living. Or at least that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I love doing it. I'm going to do it even if I go become whatever, a plumber, construction worker, whatever. Whatever it was that I 
anthropologist is what I pick, which is just as ridiculous as being a comic artist. But <laughs> that's when my mentality changed. I no longer was doing it like they were saying. It's like, oh, 20 more pages. Right. Then it just became, well, this is just who I am. This is what I do, regardless of whether the paycheck says that's what I am. It kind um, of takes this unneeded pressure off to some degree. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can put yourself in this weird strain of I have to do this or else, you know, that could work for some folks, but that mentality also works. If you take that, you know, unwanted pressure away, sometimes it, it frees you up creatively. Well, it also changes it from being something that has to happen tomorrow to something that just has to happen someday. Someday, yeah. And don't be afraid to think that you only have one chance to show your work. One of the things I've, I've seen over the years is some artists will show their work to an editor, mm. get feedback, come back year after year or keep up a correspondence over email or things like that and the editors can see that growth they can see that your skills are improving and how close you may be getting from month to month or year to year we're swinging for you too we want you to succeed we want you to find your you know your voice and your strength in your artwork don't think that you're going to show your artwork once and then this, your name's going to be chiseled into, onto some stone that says, never shall thou pass. You will not work at Marvel. That is just not true. You will continue to grow as an artist. You will continue to change and improve. And if you're in it to make stories and those stories are heartfelt and that art is true and, and strong, you will break through. Maybe not when you want, maybe not as quick as you want or exactly the way that you thought you would, but you will always look back and, and be amazed at the journey that you've gone on. That's true. I, I used to be a fine artist. I studied uh, You're art, still pretty fine. Art history. <laughs> art history. He's fine. Uh, Michelangelo was my, 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 one of my top artists, uh, Salvador Dali. I love painting. I love going to museums. I was all into the, the artsy-fartsy type of things. I never even thought I could be a comic artist. I just thought, oh, I just like art. And then when I saw Jim Lee's X-Men number one, that was the trigger for me that said, okay, I want to draw comics. And from that moment on, that's when my, I shift gears and I funnel everything I was learning in art towards comics. And I put a fine-tuned comb on it and I just kept going and going in that direction. It took me six months, six tries. I did one submission each month. And it took me six months until I got that phone call from Jim Lee himself, who called me and said, I like you, come work with me. It can happen. You just, you just have to put your mind to it and just go get it. Six months? Six months. That is not a typical schedule. <laughs> Please do not measure yourself by months. the Ryan Benjamin six months. He's given all these folks false hope. My first writing like, project. Let's be sure, though. He, yeah. It wasn't six months from the time he started. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> no, 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 I was yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah, my yeah, web... Yeah. He had those fundamentals that we yeah, were talking about. My web comics, there. 2002. <laughs> my first paid writing project was 2005. My first Marvel project was 2013. So uh, it took took longer on this end of things. Just, <laughs> oh, just, I, I've, just got, a I've got you beat, man. Oh, I, I have no doubt. My first Marvel Comics submission was when I was 18, which was a joke. And I am 49, and I got my first Marvel cover gig at 43. Wow. There you go. So, yeah, you're talking about <laughs> so you're 25 years. So you saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 25 years it took me to get my swing in the big right? leagues. Wow. So there you go, guys. That's <laughs> That's all you need. So it's either six months yeah. <laughs> or 25 years. Pick one. Pick one. That's all you got. But uh, for, for, during the six months, guess what I did during the six months? And this is the dead honest truth. 
my bed was here, my art table was here. I would sleep, go draw. Now I'd go back to sleep and I'd go to draw. Sometimes it would be a whole entire week and I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot, I gotta take a shower. Cause I've been <laughs> that dedicated to just, I am going to get this job. Marvel does not legally it. recommend any of the Ryan Benjamin <laughs> that you've just heard. Uh, this is purely Ryan's opinion on how you should treat your You did get art. sleep though. I mean, I, I did get some sleep. It's, it's interesting though, because it goes back to what Ryan opened up with, that he had already learned the drawing that object from uh -huh. every different angle and every different, he just needed to learn to skin it like a comic artist. There you go. And then That's he put it. back on the deodorant and then he put <laughs> the together. Well, I, I was hoping we'd have questions, but they're telling me to stop. Uh, so uh, if you guys are interested in taking classes with these guys, we have Marvel's The Art of Storytelling at program.com slash Marvel. Do you have a question? You look like you really want to ask a question. Let's, yeah, let's milk it. How do you deal with distractions in this day and age? Friends and family Ooh. and everything else. Sure. Ooh. Video games is the biggest distraction that me as an editor fights with our talent, fights with our sure. talent with now, so yeah. <laughs> Friends? <laughs> but, the, the, no. but the thing that, that CB said earlier, right, that you're part of a family and you're part of a team, it's one of the reasons why early on you want to know exactly who you're working with and what that means, right? I'm the writer on a project. The gun doesn't go off for the starting line until I send in that script and we get approval and someone starts drawing. If I'm late, the whole train doesn't leave the station, you know what I mean? I'm leaving everyone in the lurch. And writing is not about just writing or drawing when you are inspired. In order to be a professional, you have to be able to deliver even when you don't feel great. If I can always deliver an A minus, I would rather that than holding out for the A plus. Do you know what I mean? Because other people are relying on this and this is a commercial endeavor. It's not just about when you feel good. It's not just about when it's easy. It's about when it's hard. And if I don't have the answers, I can call my editor and get bounce those ideas off of someone. That's why we are working together and that's why they've entrusted in me the ability to come up with the concept or to execute on a concept that we generate together. It sounds weird to say guilt, but it's like guilt drives me to deliver because I promised my editor, my artist, my team that we're going to make the best damn book we can and get it on time. And I think if we obligation can, might be a might be a better, better word. The obligation. To there you go. <laughs> and uh, you know, if, like for me, it's it's. I'm a, a neurotic writer. It's guilt. Yeah, well, yeah. there's certainly guilt there as well. But like for me, as a, as a cover artist, I'm usually way out in front because I'm doing my covers, what three four months before the book comes out because it needs to be in the catalog. Well, if I don't get that done, it doesn't go to catalog. The stores don't buy as many books. Marvel doesn't do as well. There isn't work for me in the future. Um, and other people suffer as well. I mean, my editors, you know, they have to answer to their boss and their boss has to answer to their boss. And, you know, it's just not good for anybody. So it's not just you. If it was just me, I might have more of a tendency to slack off. But, but like you said, it's, it's an obligation to the people that you work with and the people that depend on you, like any part of life. I find it easier to work to an external deadline like a commercial project, like a Marvel project, than my own personal pet projects because I can always yeah, deprioritize my, my personal projects. So one of the hardest things when you're starting out as a creative is trying to make those a priority even when you have distractions, when you have family, when you have other things you need to do. And it's not to say you ignore your family or you stop sleeping, um, <laughs> but, that, but that you find that that has to be an important part of your schedule, you know? that you work time into it. Um, 
Cullen Bunn, when he had a day job, he would wake up an hour before he had to get his kid ready for school, and he would write for one hour before he went to work. And when everyone else goes out for lunch at the office he was working in, he would write for an hour over his lunch break. He'd just have a sandwich, sit in front of his keyboard, write for an hour. After his kid goes to bed, he would write for an hour, hour and a half. So he gets three and a half hours a day of writing in. Is it the ideal way of working? No. Did he get stuff done? You're damn right. And that is, that takes discipline. And art is, is discipline as much as it is an art form. I'd say that's more honest work than most people put into their real job. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah and I, I was gonna add to that. Nothing. So is it like time time or just kind of like, <laughs> we have four minutes I was left? I say this no. one thing. Oh, four minutes ago. Oh, so oh. it's time time, okay. Oh Lord. She was like, cut! <laughs> real quick, prioritizing your schedule um, having what I call dependents, a wife or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, someone that you're with, have a relationship with consistently, you know, your friends, you can kind of throw them to the side or whatever. They'll feel some kind of way, whatever. But you have children, wife, kid, whatever. Those types of uh, relationships, those are the things that I think, especially I think all of us up here have some some form of that mm -hmm. that really helps drive that obligation yeah. side that mindset it keeps you focused you because you have those prior that, that's the ultimate priority and then this way it really keeps most uh, professional creatives have an incredible yeah. support staff behind them they really do and it's in, and it's our families you know they understand we work long days sometimes long nights long nights cool. Cool. thank you guys fans. all right thanks everybody thank you guys <laughs> Check out the course at proco.com slash marvel where you can see the video version of this panel along with the many lessons that will take you through the process of making a comic from start to finish. I'll see you there.